In the Chronicles of Narnia, how many of you read the Chronicles of Narnia or seen the movies? All right. In the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Susan is having a conversation with Mr. Beaver about Aslan the lion. And, and this is what the, how the conversation goes. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And Susan says, oh, I, I, I thought he was a man. Is he safe? Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's the king, I tell you. You know, in that story, in the the fable of the, the Chronicles of Narnia, Jesus Christ is represented by Aslan, the king. And, and I think sometimes we get the wrong idea about Jesus. We get the wrong idea about God. We somehow think that God is our, that Jesus is our buddy, like Jesus is our bro. You know what I mean? I, sometimes we have this attitude towards Jesus, like, oh, yo, what up, bro? Thanks you so much for, uh, for helping me out. You know, thanks for helping me move. Thanks for taking me to the airport. You know, we have this idea that Jesus is like our buddy. He's like our bro. You know, we spend a, we'll spend some time with him on the weekend, but then like the rest of the week, we don't see him very much. So we'll think like, you know, you know yeah, Jesus is my bro. Jesus is my buddy. Or we'll think that God is some kind of like tottering old grandfather in the sky, kind of making a nice place for us, getting, a, getting, heaven, getting heaven ready for us. And, you know, he's going to help us out when we get in a jam. You know, he'll borrow against his 401k to take care of us. You know, and so we think of God as like this, this tottering old grandfather, you know, and he gives us stuff when we go to see him. Or we'll think of God like, or we'll think of Jesus uh, like a high school girl looks at the captain of the football team. We got this crush on Jesus. Oh, he's so dreamy. And my question this morning is, is, is this the God of the Bible? Is this the God of Scripture? Is this the God that we know? Is this the God that we should know? Is this the God that we serve? Is this the God of the Bible? The bro, the grandfather, the dreamy high school captain of the football team. Is this God? And my question is, how did you come here this morning? How, how did you get here? And, and when you came here this morning, how did you come in? Were you prepared to have an experience of the living God? Were you prepared to have an experience with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Were you prepared to experience the King, the great King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah? Were you prepared to experience Jesus? I think, I think that we come in to church sometimes, we come to worship sometimes, we have all kinds of different reasons for that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but why are we here today? Who are we here to see? Who are we here to experience? Are we here to see our friends? Are we here to maybe uh, see some people that we haven't seen in a while? Are we here to sing a few songs and hear a nice message? Or are we here to worship God in reverence and in fear and in awe of who he is? That's, that's what I want to know today. Why are you here today? Why did you come here today? What is this whole thing all about?
this church thing that we do? And who is God in the midst of all of this? Who is our God? And what is he like? And why are we here? These are the things rattling around in my brain today. We started a new series uh, called Your God is Two. And we're filling in this blank. Today we're talking about how your God is too safe. Now, last week we talked about how your God is too angry. And, and this week may sound like a contradiction to what I said last week, but it's not. You see, we talked last week about how your God is too angry. We talked about how the Lord, we talked about Psalm 103 and how the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, gracious and compassionate. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And so last week we talked about, uh, like I said, Psalm 103. And if you missed last week's message, you can see it on our website at gfcc.net. encourage you to check it out. Uh, your God is too angry. And we talked about how God has no more wrath for his people because he poured out all his wrath on Jesus on the cross. So there's no more wrath for you. But God is a jealous God. God is, well, as Hebrews puts it, a consuming fire. He is not the bro. He is not the buddy. He is not the captain of the football team. He is not the grandfather. He's not your teddy bear in the sky. No, Hebrews describes him as a consuming fire. I want you to grab your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 29, but we're going to look at a couple different passages. We're going to look at several different passages of Scripture this morning. It's kind of why I need to, to get moving here. Uh, so we're in verses 18 through 29 of Hebrews chapter 12. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 853, and I want you to hold it. Uh, we're going to read a couple verses, then we're going to flip over to the Old Testament, read Exodus 19, and then come back to Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to flip around a little bit. The first one is on page 853 of the chair Bible, Hebrews 12, 18 through 29. We're going to read Hebrews 12, 18 through 21 to begin with, then we'll flip over to Exodus 19, then we'll come back to Hebrews 12. So that's where we're going as we talk about this God of ours who is too safe, that we have this idea that God is somehow safe, that um, he is uh, not, he doesn't ask too much of us, and that we can somehow put him in this little God box, our, our Sunday morning God box. We'll put God in this little Sunday morning box, and uh, we'll just, uh, you know, kind of keep him compartmentalized. Uh, to Sunday mornings, and then the rest of the week we go out and, and do whatever we want. We don't want God to see us at work because of the way we talk or the way that we act or the jokes that we tell or the way that our, our, our poor work ethic. We don't want God to see us at home when we're kicking the dog or worse. We don't want God to see us on the weekends when we're out partying. We don't want God to see us outside of this building because in here, we put on our church mask and we put God in his, we pull God out of his church box and we keep him nice and safe here at church. That's not God. Let's look at verses 18 through 21 of Hebrews chapter 12. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire. He's referring to Mount Sinai. To darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged them no further would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. When was the last time you came to church trembling with fear over entering the presence of the living God? 
Flip over to Exodus chapter 19. It's on page 53 uh, of the chair Bible. Uh, Exodus 19, I want to read the entire chapter. And this is the story of what the author of Hebrews is talking about. It's what he's talking about when he talks about Mount Sinai, when the people came to Mount Sinai. So hold Hebrews 12 uh, real quick. Let's read through Exodus 19. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, if you remember, they left Egypt. Uh, Charlton Heston led the people through the Red Sea. On the very day of the third month, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. He's telling this to Moses. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. Get this. Okay, this is what they say. And we all know the story of how this goes. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. How many of you have ever made a promise to God but didn't keep it? I'll do everything you say, God. Just get me out of this jam. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and, you will, and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Mount Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way though to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, go back to Hebrews 12. The people are standing at the base of the mountain and God is going to come on the mountain and God himself comes down on the mountain in fire and it's smoke with a loud trumpet, a deafening trumpet and this is God. This is the God that, that we know. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God, the same God that we come to worship every Sunday. Yet we do not enter into his presence with trembling. We do not enter into his presence with fear. We show up, okay, I'm going to do my church thing. 
This is more than just a church thing. We come back to Hebrews chapter 12. We read about a different mountain. It's Mount Zion, which is heaven. And the same God who, rests, who rested on Mount Sinai is the same God who lives in heaven. And this is what the author of Hebrews says, verse 22. You have come to Mount Zion. We have not come to a mountain uh, of smoke and fire, but rather we have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire this is our God and we do not enter into his presence flippantly we do not enter into his presence casually I'm not talking about the way that you dress or the way that I dress. I'm not talking about the way that you do your hair. I'm not talking about the way that you do things outwardly. I'm talking about an inner transformation of the heart, an inner uh, awe, an inner fear. And, not, and I'm not talking about abject terror like the people around the base of Mount, Zion, uh, Mount Sinai. We are the people of Mount Zion. We come to his presence with fear and reverence and awe. Uh, the, the word for reverence uh, is a word uh, that means a, 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 an, an acceptable fear. And awe is, is just what it sounds like. It's, it's awe. It's breathlessness. It's word. It, it, I can't even speak because I'm in the presence of God. When we come together on a Sunday morning, our prayer should be, Lord, fill this place with your presence. Shake us to our core. That we might be changed that we might be transformed, that you may receive our praises, for you are God. There are angels who are gathered around the throne of heaven right now, worshiping God. I want to lift my voice with the angels to worship God. That when we come together on a Sunday morning, it's not, again, it's not part of our holy routine. It's not a holy habit. It's got to be more than just some kind of a sense of obligation that we are here to honor and worship God, for he is a consuming fire. I always used to think of those words, that consuming fire idea, that God was kind of like the wildfires out in California, just destroying everything in his, in his path. That's not what that means. It's, it's like a refiner's fire. It's like a, 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 what do you call it, um, the thing that you put metal in and smelt it and to get the impurities out. You know what I'm talking about, the crucible. It's like a crucible. That, that, that God is refining us. He is uh, removing the impurities from our lives because he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be set apart for him. And what does he offer to us? What does he promise us? In the book of Revelation, there are two passages of Scripture. The first is 21, verses 1 through 4. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is what God has promised his people from Mount Zion. This is the mountain to which we are approaching. This is the place to where we are going, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is our hope from God himself. How can we not come before him with with joyful singing in our heart, with thanksgiving in our hearts, with awe and reverence of who he is, with awe and respect of him? How can we come here on a Sunday morning flippantly? How can we come here casually saying, oh, it's no big deal? How can we wake up on a Sunday morning and go, ah, you know what? Eh, Nine sounds good today. I think I'm going to go hit nine holes of golf. At church, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It does. To, cut, to say to God, God, I would rather go uh, cut my lawn than spend time with you today. God, I, I'd rather go to the mall and hang out than spend time with you today. God has promised you heaven. God has promised you hope. In Revelation 21, uh, 20, verse 11 through 15, uh, he has also promised judgment. Listen to this, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the book of life? This is a question every human being is confronted with. Is your name written in the book of life? Because our God is a consuming fire. If you are unsure, if you do not know, then you need to make a decision. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because he is the only way to be saved. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only that whoever in him will not perish but have everlasting life. How you want your name written in that Lamb's Book of Life, you need to believe in Jesus, repent from your sins, confess your faith, and get baptized. And we baptize here by immersion. That's how we baptize here at GFCC. It's because when we are baptized, the Bible says in Romans 6 that we are buried with Christ, that we are buried into his death, that we come into contact with his blood when we are buried with him into death. And then we are raised out of that water and raised spiritually to new life. We are connected with him spiritually uh, in death and in resurrection. And so if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus and, and to put your faith and trust in him and to be baptized, I encourage you, I encourage you to uh, take our membership class in, in next week. Learn more about what we believe here about baptism and about salvation and about grace and about faith and about Jesus and about God. We encourage you to sign up for that class today or next week. That's Wednesday, August 31st. Find out where you stand. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? This is serious, serious stuff. Our God is a consuming 
fire. He is working things out in our lives for good. He is cleansing us from impurity. He is cleansing us from wickedness. He is cleansing us from sin. He is burning away all of the sin and impurity from our lives, the iniquity and the wickedness, the sin and, and everything within us that is not pleasing to him, everything within us that is not holy, he is making holy. Because he says in his word to be holy as he is holy. In Deuteronomy 4.24, this is where this comes from. It says, the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. That God will not share you with anyone or anything. He is a consuming fire and he is jealous for your love and jealous for your affection and jealous for your heart and your soul. In Job 23.10, Job says, he knows the very way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That God tests us. He allows trials and and temptations uh, and struggles in our lives. He allows these things in our lives to test us in order to refine us, to purify us. In 1 Peter chapter, uh, I'm sorry, in Hebrews 12, 14, it says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God is working to make us holy to transform us, to change us, to make us more like him, to be holy as he is holy. And then in 1 Peter 1, 7 through 9, it says, these have come, trials, he says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That God is refining us by that consuming fire, consuming all of it, which, all that is within us that is not holy so that we can be made holy. And he is making us holy. And his expectation, his desire is that we would be holy as he is holy, set apart, different, unique. It doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean perfect. It means different. Because we can never be perfect. We can never be sinless until the one who makes us perfect comes back. But until that time, he expects us to be holy as he is holy. So why are you here? Why did you come today? It wasn't to hear this, Sean. (laughs) Are you here to worship God? Are you here to honor the king? Are you here in reverence and in fear and in awe of the consuming fire that is God. He is the king. And when you enter into the presence of the king each and every Sunday morning, when you enter into the presence of the king, we are entering with fear and trembling in our hearts and in our souls that we may honor him and worship him, for he is God. 
So you may be here looking for something completely different. You may be looking for a relationship, maybe even a relationship with God. You may be looking for a relationship with someone else. You may be looking for uh, just a nice little message to make me feel good about myself or to, to make me feel good about my week coming up. You may be looking uh, for uh, some, some inspira- inspiring words. You may be looking for, uh, you may be here because, like I said, it's your holy habit. It's your, your sense of obligation, your sense of duty. Well, it's Sunday. I got to go to church, I guess. But you're not here. Are, are, you, are you really here? In this moment, are you here? Have you, have you dedicated your heart and your soul to God in worship here, now? Are you trembling in your spirit before the presence of Almighty God? Because He is here. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is also. And I don't know about you, but I feel it. I feel his presence. I feel his spirit moving. And I know that God is here. And it makes me shake and it makes me quake to know that I am unworthy, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short, that I have missed the mark, that I have sinned against him time and time again. And yet he forgives And he washes me clean, time and time again. The same goes for you, my friends. So my challenge for you this week, do not try and put God in a box, for he is not, there's no box that can hold him. Do not separate God from your life throughout the week and then pull him out on Sunday morning. Do not leave your, your, do not hang him up on a coat rack on your way out to pick him back up on your way in. Go with God every moment of every day. Realize that you are walking and living and moving and having your being in his very presence each and every moment of each and every day. That God is with you. And he is a consuming fire. He is making you holy. The tests and the trials that may come your way this week are not designed to break you. They are designed to purify you. By the consuming fire that is our God. Our Heavenly Father, we shake, we quake, we tremble in your presence. Not because you're going to strike us down, but because you are awesome. And you are powerful. And you are mighty. And you are strong. You are God. And Father, we, we repent of our flippant attitudes. We repent of our casual attitudes toward you. Help us to get a glimpse of your glory in this place today. Help us to hear your voice, to sense your spirit. Help us, God, to worship in awe and reverence and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord God, for Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Savior of the world. Save us from our sins. Save us from ourselves. And help us to worship in spirit and in truth. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.